Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are going to be talking about horror film Come True, which actually came out last month, but I thought it was an interesting one. It would make for a good conversation. So Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year is back with us to talk about some puzzle pieces for this one. You can check this movie out on IFC, and uh, it is definitely a movie worth checking out, I think. This is one of the more unique, interesting horror films I've seen this year. And as we talk about, I've seen a lot of horror films this year. So, uh, yeah, go check that out. And that conversation's coming up in a second. But before we get to it, I want to remind you guys, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget, if you enjoy the show, share it. Uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Get in touch with me if you ever want to join me for a future episode. I'm always looking for new co-hosts for all these movies we're trying to cover. And uh, we got a Patreon, so check out the Patreon, produced by David Rosen, where I combine bonus content from my music career, piecing it together, awesome movie year, and whatever else I'm involved with. Whatever I got bonus content for, it's going up on there, patreon.com slash Rosen. And the more people we get signed up, the more content I'm going to create for it. So uh, check that out. So with all that said, let's talk about Come True. All right, Josh Bell is back with us for another horror movie. Josh, you've been on a lot of horror movie episodes, haven't you, lately? I guess that I have. I, I mean, I like horror movies, but yeah. uh, and I know you don't really like horror movies, but I guess I you know. keep watching them and then... Tell me about it, and then we talk about them. We're living through some strange times, and uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good ones, and uh, I enjoyed this one. We're going to talk about Come True, and uh, I, you know, I know I saw your your review on this. I, I know you enjoyed this movie. Was this a movie that was uh, big on your radar, like on, on the way? Because I know this this Anthony Scott Burns had a movie a couple years ago. Yeah, he did. I didn't see that movie. Okay, and this wasn't on my radar any more than I just was looking at what was coming out in that month and sure. i mean it's an it's an ifc films release and that's you know usually a, a sign of some some level of quality in fact the last horror movie that we talked about on this yeah. podcast was also from ifc so i mean that made me kind of take a look and say okay this this is something that could be worth covering um but i didn't really know much about it other than that i pitched it along with uh, various other movies that were coming out that month to potentially review uh, at CBR and got the go ahead. And so I, I checked it out. But um, yeah, I'd be curious to see uh, his first uh, his first film now after having seen seen this because this was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I, it wasn't on my radar either, but then I did see uh, a couple of places. I saw that the still of, of the main star, uh, Julia Sarah Stone, with the the one eye patch, and that's a pretty cool image, and it certainly had been kind of in the back of my mind, and then I saw your review, and I was like, oh, I guess I gotta check this one out. Sounds pretty interesting and weird, and I, I will say, uh, before we start getting into puzzle pieces, have you ever done a sleep study, Josh? <laughs> no, I, I have not. Uh, although I have, like I probably every single person have not been sleeping that well in the past year. <laughs> sure. So I, I had uh, 
thought I might need to, but uh, my my doctor told me it didn't it didn't seem necessary. So thankfully, I will not have uh, waking nightmares that uh, attack other people. But <laughs> have you? Dan? Oh yeah, I, I've had it uh, three times now, wow. and uh, yeah, it, it's not fun. It is uh, very creepy, and I uh, like the sci-fi version of that in this movie. I just thought it was a a good entry point into this movie. Uh, I could relate to it a little bit, shall we say? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Much that, like that, our last horror movie we talked about, I can relate. That's to That's true. Bit. <laughs> yeah. See, that's why Dave's watching horror movies because they all relate to his life. That's right. That's when that's we, when we it the, works. The horror movie about <laughs> podcasting. And the horror movie about comedy rap yeah. on the horizon. And, you know, we'll complete this whole uh, Dave Rosen horror oeuvre. Well, you know, the podcasting one has to happen sooner or later. So, I mean, there have definitely <laughs> been, I, I've seen at least one horror movie about podcasters who, you know, people who do a podcast about like urban legends or something like that. And they go look for, oh, I can't remember. It's, I seriously have seen this movie and it was, oh, wait, it was, bad. it was Halloween. It was the Halloween reboot from a couple years ago. That's true. There's that. Yeah. Uh, that's just kind of like an entry point, I guess. But I definitely saw one movie where the main characters are podcasters. Oh, wow. And they go to some like haunted woods to do a podcast about it, and then they get murdered. Might have to uh, cover that one of these days. Well, it's, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Not, not recommended. <laughs> but I'm sure there are others. So let's start getting into some puzzle pieces for Come True. What do you got for your first piece? Well, uh, well, starting with horror, uh, my first puzzle piece is A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, which weirdly I feel like I've talked about on this podcast at least <laughs> once not that long ago. Um, so, I mean, of course, the whole Nightmare on Elm Street series, uh, I would think, has to be an influence on this, even though the tone is very different, but just the idea of horrors from our dreams come either, you know, coming out of our dreams into reality or being in a dream and experiencing uh, danger or horror or whatever that, uh, you know, can harm us for real. Mm -hmm. um, and I picked that one in particular because the characters, the characters aren't in a sleep study, but they are in like a clinic. There are these, uh, the main characters are these troubled teenagers who uh, have various issues related to, to drugs or to living on the streets or things like that, acting out. And um, so they're all being supervised by maybe not the most ethical of uh, medical professionals, mm -hmm. uh, as well as, of course, Nancy, played by Heather Langenkamp from the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie, who sure. is um, more sympathetic to them and believes them. They all say, oh, Freddy's coming into our dreams and no one believes them. And it's kind <laughs> of in a weird way like this, where we've got this, the, the weird, uh, you know, shadow figure guy who's in everyone's dreams. And at first it doesn't seem believable. So, and that's another movie where the characters are able to kind of use the dream world to fight back against sure. Freddy. That's the whole idea of that movie is that they can then take charge. And because they're in their dreams, they can do things that they couldn't do in real life. And I think there's a bit of that here. So, I mean, obviously a lot cheesier and a lot more of a, a sort of mainstream horror. But uh, that was the first thing that I thought of kind of watching this movie. Yeah, actually, I, I was also thinking of it as well, and not to a specific entry in the series like you brought up part three, but um, more so this almost in a way feels like it could have been like a spec script for bringing Nightmare on Elm Street into the current like A24 neon horror, you know, trend that's going on right now. But yeah, just like that very like, like, down and dirty, kind of stripped down, like quote unquote realistic kind of horror that seems to be really trendy now. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could see them, you know, especially the uh, the third act of this movie, once they, you know, really start like kind of, they start following the character around and, and she's like projecting the dream and like all that stuff just seems like it would make for a perfect playground for Freddy. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, maybe he'll show up in uh, in the crossover sequel. <laughs> we can only hope, for sure. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> well, I am going to go with my first piece here, and uh, I'll, I'll actually start off with Devs, the uh, TV series from Alex Garland. Um, you know, you got, you know, Techno Horror is going to kind of run through a bunch of these pieces. Uh, you know, a lot of 
of the the horror that comes from technology and not really understanding what exactly you're getting yourself into as you're uh, letting that technology kind of uh, take the lead and get away from you. And uh, there's even a line in the movie where uh, the one character says, maybe you're seeing something you're not supposed to. And, you know, that line especially uh, tied it back t- for me to devs because the, the whole idea of this series, devs, is that they're... They're kind of uh, creating this, you know, alternate reality that is all of reality. And it's just, it's so godlike and so just out of control, powerful, that it really is something that shouldn't happen. And that is kind of where we're going here with Come True, uh, looking into people's dreams in a way that is just uh, probably not healthy. And there's kind of no good end in sight for it. Yeah, this is definitely not an ethical study. I don't That's think right. It's passing all the standards of academic studies, yes, uh, or whatever <laughs> going on here. And yeah, and I think they have. There's the character of the the sort of supervisory professor who doesn't really seem to be supervising very well, but he he does talk about right. He he chastises them for for going too far, right? Or whatever. That, that's an interesting thing to bring up, just as like a kind of a tangent. Um, I. there's this movie and we'll get into it more. I'm sure with some of our other pieces and stuff like that, but there are things in this movie that I don't fully understand yet. And like, I I don't know if maybe I ever would, but um, I wasn't quite sure where that guy and like kind of plays into everything other than just being the overall supervisor of the whole project. Yeah. I mean, I get the impression that this is, I mean, it's, it's a university and the, the main kind of people who are running the study seem to be grad students, maybe. Right. And so it's possible it's like it's their project, but they need a, a full professor to endorse mm-hmm. it in order to make it official or to fund it. I mean, I don't think right. this is definitely not a movie that is concerned with the bureaucracy of universities. Sure. Um, but that, <laughs> that that's I feel like that's kind of the structure. So he's in charge nominally, but it's their thing. So he just lets them go yeah. and they give him some updates or whatever. And that was why maybe he doesn't realize how off the rails it's gone and sure. they're uh, conjuring a monster. And that was probably not in their uh, proposal, their grant proposal or whatever. I don't know why, but if this was a bad movie, I could totally picture it being played by Eric Roberts, that role. Uh, he would be perfect <laughs> for it. But uh, I feel anyway. like I've seen Eric Roberts with those big retro glasses. Totally. A hundred percent. Well, what do you got for your next piece? Well, I'll stick with TV since uh, since you mentioned devs and uh, mentioned Maniac, the uh, miniseries on Netflix uh, directed by Carrie Fukunaga, um, which is also about participants in in that it's a it's a clinical trial um, mm-hmm. for a medication that helps people with uh, anxiety, depression, and me- mental illness. Um, it's a sci-fi medication that you know it's a it's a magical pill or whatever um but what happens in there is the participants in this study are taking these pills and then being hooked up to a machine and then entering into a sort of dream world where they are in an alternate reality and they're all kind of connected to each other and the two main characters played by jonah hill and emma stone find themselves, their realities are crossing over, their dream worlds cross over, which isn't supposed to happen. And so it's it's dangerous and and stuff. And that is not a horror show, a horror series. Sure. It's more of a weird like romance thing. And the alternate realities are really the chance for them to do all these different genres. So in one, they're in a like Lord of the Rings-ish fantasy world. And then they're in this this kind of 80s suburban world and various different kinds of things that that eventually explore their trauma. And uh, story-wise, it kind of does it. It's, it's very mysterious. And then you figure out what's going on. And it's just, that was it. Mm. Um, but it has a cool look. And the other thing that I think is similar is the, the sort of retro-futuristic technology in sure. that the technology here, and I mean, and in Come True, the whatever they're using to look into the people's dreams and connect them together or whatever is obviously something that doesn't exist, but it looks like it's something that they, the producers probably salvaged or the production designer salvaged from like a garage sale or whatever. Right. And so the combination of this super advanced technology that looks like it was dug up from the 70s 
um, which is a non, a, not an uncommon thing, I think. And it's it's also an easy way to create this sense of disconnect and to give you as a viewer the idea that like, oh, something's weird, something's off here. Uh, mm. But Maniac is full of that, maybe to like an a, an overly excessive degree. It's just like constant stuff everywhere. Right. <laughs> uh, it's a very production designed show, but uh, I make it sound terrible. It's kind of fun, but um, it, it certainly has uh, a lot of connections there. Right on. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to bring up something that's not really a puzzle piece because it's too new to be a puzzle piece, but it goes right along with what you were saying there. Another movie that you covered on the show with me, Possessor, uh, from Brandon Cronenberg. They're more of a pairing. That movie and this movie go together so well with a lot of the same kind of techno horror. And like you were just saying about these these futuristic things that don't feel futuristic. They just feel so lived in and so like based out of like old technology that's kind of retrofitted to become this futuristic technology. Uh, that that movie, I think belongs in this conversation even though it's probably developed roughly around the same time uh, as as this was um but i would also say brandon cronenberg's previous film antiviral throw in there with that as well because that kind of does the same kind of thing with with mixing together uh really futuristic technologies with very old feeling things and making it it just kind of makes everything feel like it's in this world that's a little bit off from ours Right. I haven't seen Antiviral, but I, I'd like to because I liked Possessor. But I, yeah, I think that's the main thing is that when you see that kind of stuff, you immediately know, oh, this is it's off. Right. It's something yeah. that's that's just to the to the side of our world. Maybe it's the future. Maybe it's the past. Maybe it's both. Right. Um, but whatever it is, it's not our world. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll go on to another piece then. Um, and I, I know a few of my pieces, speaking of Possessor, probably were brought up in our Possessor episode. One for sure was Inception, Christopher Nolan's Inception, which this movie, once you get down to it, and like I said earlier, I, I don't fully understand everything that's going on in the end of this movie. But at some point, uh, it's pretty clear that we are inside dreams that are within dreams which are within a coma which are inside dreams and it who knows where you know what starts and what ends i mean i think i kind of have a general gist of what's going on here but um it's a movie that's definitely uh i i would imagine a lot of thought went into how exactly those levels kind of stack on top of each other and i'm sure that they do kind of make sense if you feel the need to uh, chase it down that rabbit hole, but it's not necessarily important for the enjoyment of it. It's still an interesting story, regardless if you get every last level out of it. Yeah, I had Inception on my list as well, um, which we did talk about. I remember when we talked about Possessor, but it totally fits. And yeah. and I think you may, you may be right that uh, Anthony Scott Burns has a very clear sense of when what is real and what is not real and when do we transition there or whatever. But I feel like it's just as possible that he doesn't and mm -hmm. that that's okay, that it doesn't need to be like that. Christopher Nolan is the kind of filmmaker who 100% had a chart for yes. <laughs> that, for Inception and, and you know, every movie that he makes probably um, and is so fussy and meticulous, often I think to his detriment right. about the like rules and logistics of these sci-fi worlds that he creates and... That that can be cool, but I feel like that's a, just a very different kind of approach than we're mm -hmm. getting with this movie. And I mean, I think both are enjoyable. I, I almost prefer the like, eh, who knows? Like it's about the mood a bit right. more than it is about like how everything like fits together perfectly in this sort of uh, lattice or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it certainly allows you the room to, you know, try stuff and get a little more experimental and uh if it doesn't all line up especially on your first viewing oh well <laughs> right <laughs> exactly so what do you got for your next piece well uh my next one is i feel like is kind of a, a similar cousin or whatever to inception and that is uh tarsum sings the cell which is uh about investigating a criminal and and the kind of the the uh, cops go into the mind of this disturbed i guess it's a serial killer it's been a long time since i've seen this movie yeah but me too <laughs> it's uh, vincent d'onofrio who plays this bad guy and jennifer lopez is going into his mind and really 
that movie, although it does have a lot of the logistical stuff and I think you can figure it out. And I think at, at its core, the plot is kind of a basic like police procedural sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's just an excuse for Tarsim Singh to create these elaborate, beautiful like dreamscapes. It's not dreams per se. It's just meant to be in this guy's mind, but it's very dreamlike and, yeah. you know, follows that kind of weird logic or whatever. And unlike Come True, which has this very muted color palette and it's kind of these like grays and blues and it's a, a, like lavendery, I think is the, the color that we get a lot in the in the, the observation room or whatever. <laughs> um, but they're all very muted and the cell is full of these like bright, bold colors and that and i feel like in a weird way that's not we think of dream worlds as being dark and murky and it does the opposite thing and it's like no they're 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 bright and they're loud and um but it's just a movie that's that's beautiful to look at but it also i think it allows the filmmaker to say whatever i thought of is here because there's no it's not a real world and we can just do whatever and i think that's what uh, this movie is allows itself to do as well. So I feel like I may have brought this up also maybe on Possessor. Um, it's or possible. Something. And I mean, I feel like I've I've referenced this movie enough recently that I'm like, I should see it because I haven't seen it since it came out in the theater, which was probably like 20 years ago. But it's so it's still memorable. I, I was just thinking the same thing. Like, it, it's funny. I, I don't think most people remember The Cell as far as like what the story is and like how... I don't know the performances or any, any of that. They just remember, Oh, the cell equals nightmarish visuals, you know? And and that definitely has come up on this show, not just in possibly the possessor, but I'm sure it's come up on uh, other episodes as a puzzle piece as well. And Again, I haven't seen it since opening weekend in the theater either, and it's something maybe I'll uh, revisit one of these days because it would be nice to have a little bit of context to what exactly that movie, you know, the rest of it is. Right. But I I do think that, again, it's a movie where what the actual plot was and what they're trying to solve as as cops or whatever is really not important. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Well, I'll go right along with using the cell for its nightmarish visuals, and I will go to... A video game that there was a movie for, although I never saw the movie, and from what I hear, it's pretty bad. But uh, it's Silent Hill, um, which I I think as far as these kinds of uh, dream sequences in come true with these like weird, like twisted bodies and everything is just darkness on top of darkness, different grays on grays and maybe a little lavender, as you uh, said earlier, but uh, I I, I don't know, whatever, whatever. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, it's just super dark and super twisted and and just weird looking. And the, the Silent Hill game series definitely had a lot of that kind of imagery and yeah, Yui Bull, I don't know if he really brought that over into the movies, but uh, I assume he must have, at least a little bit. But um, we'll use the video game as the puzzle piece here. <laughs> well, first of all, Uwe Bull did not direct that movie. Oh, is that not one of his? No. No, oh, okay. I actually have seen that movie. I have not played the video game. I'm not a video game player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, or not since I was like 11. Um, but, but I've seen that movie and that movie actually is one of the more acclaimed video game movies. Uh, okay. I think there's a, there's a sequel or maybe more than one sequel, like a direct to video that I think didn't get that same praise, but I watched the movie because it has a reputation as being one of the better video game movies. Okay. And it, it does have a lot of that nightmarish imagery. I didn't think the movie was really that good. Uh, mm-hmm. Christophe Gans is the director, a French director. Uh, who made that film and I think was like a huge fan of the game and it was a big passion project for him. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's cool. I, it's been a little while since I saw it. I think it's one of those movies that starts off with like, again, it's sort of like a mystery, like what's going on? All this weird stuff is happening. And then as it goes on, it it explains too much and not enough at the same time, mm. you know? Right. Uh, it right. gives you like all this backstory and you're like, well, that doesn't actually tell me why any of this stuff is happening, but you've told me a bunch of stuff. Right. Um, right. So yeah, not great. Probably not as good as the, the, um, the game, but, uh, I don't want it. We don't need to give Uva Bowl credit for, he, yeah. he's done enough. I, I think I was thinking of alone in the dark actually, as far as like hit, you know, the director right. is concerned, but definitely yeah. silent Hill, the game though. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's move on from that and not speak of silent Hill anymore. Uh, what, what do you have for uh next puzzle piece? Uh, so my next pick is it follows, 
which is, mm -hmm. uh, I feel like a standard, you were talking about this indie horror aesthetic or the kind of art house horror aesthetic. And that's a movie that was at really the, the sort of top of the heap of that in that it, it had a big mainstream success beyond just the genre fans and, you know, became, I think, pretty influential. And I, I think the aesthetic, which is this kind of muted, subdued look, is, is certainly in line with it follows, but also the approach to character where we just get these, it's, it's very uh, low key and matter of fact, and we see kind of the character relationships and their backgrounds without, we don't get explanations. There's no big exposition scenes. I mean, we still, the main character, Julia Sarah Stone's character, I forget the, I think the character is maybe named Sarah, actually. I can't remember. Yeah, I think so. But anyway, whoever she is, the main, the main yeah. character. I mean, we see her early in the movie and she's sort of quasi homeless. She's sleeping in this park and she sneaks into a house that is maybe her house and maybe her mother is, is, try, is finding her, but then calls a different name. And we never really know what's going on with her other than that, you know, she doesn't seem to have anywhere to go to sleep. And so yeah. she signs up for this study. Um, but I, I think that and then the, the sort of like bland suburban landscape where uh, she lives and uh, where we eventually kind of wander back into. I think there's a lot of that in It Follows. And, and one other thing is we mentioned the, the sort of retro futuristic thing. Uh, David Robert Mitchell, and I still, I still haven't seen Under the Silver Lake, which I know you like, but um, yeah. in It Follows and in his, his previous film, The Myth of the American Sleepover, he does this thing where the movies take place in this kind of out of time time period where they feel like maybe it's the past but then we have a technology that is futuristic. There's that weird clamshell, like digital reader thing that characters use. Yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in It Follows. And so I think, as we were saying before, it gives you that immediate sense of like, something's off here. You know, this isn't the world that I know. And, yeah. Uh, but it does it with that kind of background production design stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and also, I, I definitely think as far as that whole thing with the uh, with the way that that world feels that uh, it follows definitely had that. And um, another another thing with it follows, uh, might as well give a shout out to the score here, because I mean, one of my favorite aspects have come true. Uh, excellent score, which I guess I, I didn't realize this until just before we started, but um one of the two composers listed, Pilot Priest, is the director, Anthony Scott Burns. So, oh, I didn't so, realize that because I'm yeah. familiar with because there's like it's like a synth pop duo that Electric does. Youth, is Electric that? Youth, exactly. Yeah. And I, I had listened to some of their music like forever ago. And I, I saw that when I watched the movie, I saw it in the credits. And I was like, wait a minute. And I went back to some list I have of like musical artists to check out more of, you know, and <laughs> yeah. we'll note down because I had heard a couple songs some long time ago and it was like, Oh yeah, there they are on that list. So nice. I, I was familiar with them a bit, but not the other, but that's cool. Quite a multi-talented guy then. Yeah, definitely. So I'll go to another piece here and I'm going to go with, I, I'll jump to eternal sunshine of the spotless mind uh, for a, a lot of the reasons we've been talking about with this, these kinds of, technology things that are explained just enough to kind of get you by and they, they don't really need to go into the nooks and crannies of how it all works because that's really not important what's important is we could see people's nightmares and isn't that creepy you know and just kind of getting you into that world um i i also thought on another level the the comparison works because um you've got these multiple tiers of who's in charge of these experiments, which is something we kind of talked about earlier with the, the Dr. Meyer character uh, being like kind of where the Tom Wilkinson character is. And then you've got the, the guy who's actually in charge of the experiment, the Jeremy uh, guy. And that would be more, you know, along the lines of like the Elijah Wood, uh, especially with the creepy, um, you know, eventually getting with the girl, uh, which is not very good. Um, but Mark Ruffalo, at least in Eternal Sunshine, is a pretty stand-up guy. So, yeah, lots of so many unethical things happening in this study. You definitely Very much. should not sleep with your study subject, uh, who may be able to infect you with her nightmares. And that's another thing from It Follows that I forgot to mention: the the sort of like infection being passed along of the of the horror aspect of the story. Sure. Yeah. No, um, that definitely makes sense. 
Yeah, but these guys should uh, get an F on their project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially, I I think they kind of use the fact that she's eighteen as like permission. Like, no, it's fine. You know. Yeah, but it doesn't matter how old she is. If she's a yeah. participant in the study that you're running, you definitely cannot have sex with her. Exactly. <laughs> that that is that is uh, something I think hopefully most people watching the movie understand. Yeah, I think we're meant to. I mean, it's it's interesting because that character is. I mean, he's sympathetic. But I do think we're meant to see him as like a bit creepy and a bit yes. taking advantage of this vulnerable woman who's not only young, but as we're saying, appears sort of quasi homeless and right, doesn't right. have anywhere else to go. And they exploit that and all that stuff, too. Yeah, absolutely. Not not good. Not good people. But no, uh, not at all. Yeah. So uh, what do you got next? Well, I'll, I'll just kind of piggyback on your Eternal Sunshine one and mention another Michelle Gondry film, which is The Science of Sleep. That mm -hmm. I feel like is underrated. I mean, that came right after Eternal Sunshine, which was so you know, hugely acclaimed. I mean, and has just become more so, I feel like, in the last, you know, 15 plus years or whatever since it came out. And I feel like Science of Sleep is forgotten a lot. Yeah. And it has a lot of similar themes um, about that sort of blurring between the internal mental world and the outside world. I mean, and, and, and literally in that film, it's dreams. Um, of the main character played by Gael uh, Garcia Bernal. Um, and that's a more whimsical movie um, sure. and less sort of head trippy. Uh, I mean, presumably in large part because Charlie Kaufman uh, is not involved in The Science right. of Sleep. Um, and, and I feel like, again, he's the one that people are following him like, oh, what what is he going to do? Not that he doesn't deserve that following, you know, yeah. but I feel like he takes so much of the credit for those movies that he made with other directors that that were not sort of following them with the same avid interest. And fair enough, because Michelle Gondry has been very hit and miss. But sure. the point is, The Science <laughs> of Sleep is good. And it's very much in, in this vein of a character not knowing what is real and what is not real uh, in terms of dreams and reality. And is the experience that he's having in a dream, does that translate? I mean, I think we get to a certain point where we mention the Jeremy character you know, and they're having sex and you wonder, like, are they really like, is she really hooking up with him? Or maybe she's projecting because she's kind of into him and this has become part of her dream. Right. And there's a whole romance in that movie with the Charlotte Gainsbourg's character. And you kind of are like, is this really happening? You know, are they really connecting sort of on this dream world or not? And it's also been a long time since I saw that. But um, I remember... The, the cool visuals, like we were saying with The Cell, more than the plot details. Right, um, right. But I think that's a movie that, uh, again, is underrated. And if you like Eternal Sunshine, it's uh, something that you would probably like that one too. Yeah, that's a movie I've been wanting to revisit. I haven't seen it since, you know, when it first came out. And I remember it was kind of, like you said, it was in the shadow of Eternal Sunshine and and just kind of didn't jump out at me, you know, quite as quite as much. But I did enjoy it at the time and I would love to revisit it. And, uh, you know, as to it as a as a puzzle piece for, for Come True, um, you know, obviously whimsical is, like you said, the, the right word, I think, to use for the science of sleep. And that's not what come true is, but no. I would, I would like to see like maybe, uh, I, I mean, I would have loved to see a version of come true where maybe we get a little more, um, in the dream sequences, a little more variety because, you know, dreams can be all kinds of things. And it, it just, I, I think that there's a very creative vision here with these dream sequences. I'd have liked to see more different stuff happening in those dreams. It would have been cool. Yeah, these people only have nightmares excuse yeah. exclusively. It seems yeah, like exactly <laughs> really dark nightmares. Yeah, yes. it's very true. Yes. Maybe that's what brings them all together in this wacky world. Yeah, I don't know. maybe so. I don't know. Who knows? Well, I got one last puzzle piece here, uh, and this is kind of like a a little bit of a wishy washy one here. It's not uh, a particular thing, but it's um, on rails video games. So if you don't know what that is, like. Follow me along here. That are that is games like House of the Dead or Time Crisis or uh, Smash VR. A lot of virtual reality games are this way, where it's presented where you're constantly moving forward and you just kind of gotta look around at all the stuff around you and either shoot or collect or whatever it is you're doing. And something about the the version of the dream world that is being presented in this movie 
is that you're always constantly moving forward in these dreams. And they're all presented in this kind of first-person point of view that is always, like, pushing forward into the scene and things are all around the the viewer and all kinds of creepy stuff, creepy dark stuff like we've been talking about. And I think it just, it lends two ways in two elements i would say first of all to the kind of like we've talked about the techno horror aspect of this like kind of tying it to technology i think that's just such a big thing in video games it kind of almost acts like a shorthand in a way for for you know for people who have played those kind of games they understand the idea of being stuck on that track you know uh but also kind of points to like the uncontrollable nature of a dream like to where especially a nightmare where you just kind of can't wake up and you're just you're along for it until you wake up no matter what and i think that that's like a big part of the fear of of nightmares that the movie is like really trying to play on yeah definitely and i can i've never played video games like that and i you know so i don't have that experience but i can see what you're saying and the way he moves the camera in those sequences where it is it's just constantly moving forward and it's almost like you know, from my perspective, it's like being on one of those uh, simulator rides sure. at an amusement park or something where it's just moving you and you're sitting there and you're you're going forward no matter what. And you can see something, you know, on the horizon. You're like, no, I don't want to go there, but you, you have to. So, <laughs> yep, yes, stuck. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing you uh, just being like, will you please stop this fucking thing? I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like those rides. Usually they're not through like nightmare worlds. It's That's like true. Star Wars or something. It's a little more fun, but. I would actually like the nightmare world uh, roller coaster thing. That would be yeah. fun. Yeah. Mm. Maybe there'll be a come true ride. I don't, yeah. I don't know if any, maybe at the, at the IFC Films Amusement yeah. Park, have the come true ride. I want, I want to go to the, uh, the vigil one too, where they yeah. just lock you in a house with a dead body and a crazy old lady. Sounds fun. Uh, oh yeah. All right. You got any uh, other puzzle pieces? Uh, well, I'll, I'll bring up one, one last one. And that is also related to that, to the dream world. And what it reminded me of was uh, Tool music videos. And yeah. uh, I, know, I know you're a big Tool fan also. Um, and Adam Jones from Tool is the, the guy who makes all their music videos, who directs all of those. And they're all these super creepy dream world kind of things with dark figures and a lot of the sort of, you know, morphing from one to another. And... Um, the early tool videos, a lot of them are like stop motion. Mm -hmm. And um, but more recently, stuff he's created is is CGI, like what they're using in this film. And it just it it very much reminded me of that where it's it's abstract. It's never like a literal interpretation of the song. Right. Um, it's just these unsettling, weird visuals to go along with whatever the music is. And, you know, he has a clear aesthetic that he's just stuck to for the last 25 years, making yeah. more, making these music videos. And I like it. Um, but I think much like their music, it's kind of gotten a little calcified. But um, yeah, I, I, I think um, from, from that perspective, like you could take one of these dream sequences and set it to a Tool song and it would totally work. Oh, definitely. Or a music by David Rosen song, possibly. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I almost was going to include Tool music videos on, on my list as well. And there's even uh, that moment I brought up at the very beginning of the conversation with, with the girl with the, the one uh, eye patch on kind of reminded me of that one segment. And I think it might have been Stink Fist. I'm, I'm not sure which video it is, but there's a moment where the character turns around and it's got like a thing over its eye. And it reminded me of that a little bit. But yeah, I love those videos so much. Yeah, they're great. I mean, I was kind of ragging on them, but they, they are really cool. I feel like the more recent ones have gotten, again, a little like he's just noodling around with the same three ideas. But those <laughs> early ones were amazing. And especially because at the time on MTV, nothing looked like that. Oh, and yeah. You saw that sandwiched, even if you're watching Headbangers Ball and it's sandwiched in between like a, you know, a Guns N' Roses video and a Metallica video or something. You're like, what is this? Um so. Well, I mean, that's a, that's another way that like, you know, traditional or stop motion effects, uh, you know, bring out more creativity than just CGI because yeah, you're right. The more recent stuff has been kind of the same kind of thing over and over again. But back then those all just seemed so unique and different, even if they were like similar characters and, and settings. Right. Yeah. He had the most recent thing I saw was like, uh, it was a sort of a promotional video for a custom guitar that he mm. made, Adam Jones. I don't know if you saw this, and it was accompanied yeah. by an instrumental that was essentially like a new Tool song, just with no vocals. 
And it's yeah. like nine minutes long or whatever. And it just looked like a screensaver and not in like a positive way. I'll still watch the long rumored by Tool fans feature length uh, Tool movie music thing, which probably oh. will never happen. I mean, but, you know, I could still dream for it. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch that, too. I mean, you know, of course I would. Yeah, so, yeah that sounds. Course. I hadn't heard anything about that. It sounds cool. <laughs> it was a thing that we all used to talk about in the early 2000s, but yeah, that's a long time ago. So. Yes, <laughs> well, the finished puzzle for Come True includes A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, Devs, Maniac, Possessor, and Antiviral, Inception, The Cell, Silent Hill, It Follows, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, The Science of Sleep, On Rails Video Games, and Tool Music Videos. So, Josh, is there any uh, any major things we didn't quite get to while going through the puzzle pieces? Um, well, I just would want to give a shout out to a movie that I can't couldn't include because I haven't seen, but I mm-hmm. think has a lot of relevance, which is Rodney Asher's film The Nightmare, uh, okay. the documentary about uh, sleep paralysis that mm. I think uh, sort of reenacts that experience in a horror movie style. And the, the shadow man figure in this movie is clearly a reference to the figure that people tend to see during sleep paralysis. I mean, that's not something that I've experienced personally, but that's like the common uh, thing that people mention. I have and, once and it was oh, scary as hell. So yeah, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah. So again, I think maybe you don't want to watch that movie. I don't know. And I haven't seen it, but I've read enough about it to know that that's got to be an influence on this. I would think so. Um, yeah, the only other thing I wanted to bring up and, uh, you know, your film history is better than mine. So I don't know, maybe, maybe you saw the connection, but any significance to the weekend at Bernie's and Terminator posters, would you say? Um, uh, I mean, Terminator is... Terminator you could kind of see maybe a yeah, little clearer. sci-fi Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess like... I actually never seen Weekend at Bernie's, um, okay. you know, which is an important part of any film history education, of course. I'm but... sure it'll come up on Awesome Movie here at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, we have the, 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 you know, the climax sort of of the movie where she's like sleepwalking and they have to guide her. And I suppose that's almost like uh, carrying along Bernie's corpse. That, I'm really stretching there. I, 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 I think no you just, I think you cracked the case, Josh. I, I think, right. yeah, I think you did it. That is a, uh, a perfect place to end this because yeah, we, we figured this movie out for sure. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, Josh, is there another movie you saw recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Sure. Completely different. Um, I'm going to recommend a movie that, that I know you've seen, and I think you were not really that into, and most critics seem to have not been into, and I had sort of low expectations because of that, but I really loved, and that is French Exit from Azazel Jacobs, that is, um, I mean, I don't know as of when this comes out, probably still just playing in theaters, but uh, will be available on VOD, I imagine, uh, within the next few weeks. And it's, I could understand why some people were not into it. It's kind of excessively quirky in some Mm -hmm. ways. Um, But it just had this dry, absurdist sense of humor that really, really worked for me. Michelle Pfeiffer is amazing in it as this uh, sort of socialite, New York City socialite who discovers that her fortune has disappeared and she doesn't know how to live uh, without lots and lots of money. And Mm -hmm. uh, eventually ends up, she moves to Paris to stay in a friend's apartment uh, along with her son played by Lucas Hedges and they have this kind of unhealthily close relationship. Um, but it's this, it, we're talking about whimsical about Michelle Gondry. It's this actually quite whimsical, witty comedy uh, about their relationship and about this, this woman's sort of search for her identity with the lack of money uh, and her husband who has had died. And it's got these funny magical realist touches. The husband has been reincarnated as their cat. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a lot of really... Uh, entertaining supporting performances and I mean I just like I laughed and smiled and was was captivated the whole way through so if people have seen reviews that were not that enthused I hope they'll give it another look Um, again it'll probably be on VOD fairly soon so French Exit is my pick yeah, I liked it, uh, I think, a lot more than maybe I let on, and uh, I'm almost tempted to rewatch it and say, hey, let's do an episode on it, because uh, I know that you really loved it, and I think maybe it deserves another uh, shot from me. I hope so. I mean, I, from you and from anyone, because like I said, I, I, 
you know, as we have uh, discussed whether it qualifies. But for me, this is my favorite movie of 2021 so far. It was not released in 2020 except to critics like you and me who got to see it. So it's at the top of my list at the moment. Yeah, nothing makes sense anymore, Josh. But, uh, <laughs> We're in the dream world. <laughs> That's right. We sure are. Uh, well, Josh, why don't you tell people uh, what you got going on? What do I got going on? Well, I got Awesome Movie Year, yeah. which is uh, in the thick of or maybe reaching the end, depending on when this comes out, of our season on the films of 2003. So that's been a lot of fun talking about those movies, including multiple david rosen favorites so mm. uh, that's that's cool so we got that still going at awesomemovieyear.com and uh awesome movie year on facebook and instagram and awesome movie pod on twitter so check that out wherever you listen to podcasts uh my stuff at joshbellhateseverything.com at joshbellhateseverything on facebook and at signal bleed on twitter my reviews in all sorts of different places um, all kind of uh, collated there, do my best. So uh, check out uh, all that stuff if you want to see me or hear me or read me <laughs> talking about movies. All of the above. Yes. Even dream you, Josh. Even yeah, dream there you. you. That's, what, that's the next frontier. Can I get movie reviews into people's dreams? Then I'll really be, you know, taking things to another level. We'll all be looking forward to that, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Christy. And I'm Jackie. And we are Killer Fun. We explore the intersection of crime and entertainment every other week. For as long as people have been communicating, they have been talking about who did what to whom, and is that socially acceptable? Because the boundaries of society, crime, and entertainment have always gone hand in hand. The more salacious, weird, the better. From books and movies, to television shows and games, we look at how life and art imitate and inform one another. And we can't get together and not laugh. So let's face it there's going to be laughing. (laughs) Killer fun is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. So join us. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Come True with Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year. If you're not listening to Awesome Movie Year, make sure to go subscribe. If you like what I do here, I'm piecing it together. And pretty often I have Josh and his co-host Jason Harris here on Piecing It Together. You should definitely be listening to Awesome Movie Year. They're about to wrap up their seventh season. Well, I should say... By the time this goes up, we'll still have another like four or five episodes to go of that seventh season. But uh, still, lots of great episodes to check out. All those previous seasons each look at a different year in movies, a different awesome movie year. And uh, lots lots of great movies that we've talked about over those seasons. So check out Awesome Movie Year wherever you listen to podcasts. And, of course, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together while you're at it. You can, of course, find us on Apple Podcasts, on Podchaser, on Spotify, which I hear Spotify is starting to really become kind of a market leader in podcasting. And maybe we'll have to renew our uh, our push onto the Spotify platform. We're on there, but uh, we need to promote it more. So, yeah, check us out on Spotify. You can also rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser because Spotify does not have reviews yet. But... You can do that on Apple Podcasts, and that would be awesome because we love hearing feedback, and we love seeing that little number go up where it says how many stars we have. So, yeah, give us another five stars. We'd appreciate it. You can do that on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget about the Patreon that I mentioned at the top of the show. It's the Produced by David Rosen Patreon. So let's close this thing out with a piece of music like I always do. And what better piece of music would there be for a movie about a scary, creepy sleep study than a song that was on my first album, the album Echoes in the Dark. Uh, It's called If Only Tonight I Could Sleep. There's a really great music video for this song uh, that's available over on my YouTube channel, Music by David Rosen. Uh, And it's, it's not a particularly, like, creepy dark evil type song uh which you guys know i have a lot of those but uh it is dark and dramatic and uh i think fits pretty well so let's go with if only tonight i could sleep and we'll be back with more piecing it together coming out real soon
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.